Welcome to Econa Day Unplugged. It is Tuesday, May 8th. I am Ann Picker, Econa Day's Chief Economist, and with me today are Jeremy Hawkins in London and Mark Pender in the U.S. Jeremy, tell me about the Bank of England and what to expect there and what's going on with inflation and ECB policy. Indeed, quite a lot going on at the moment, and I suspect there aren't too many happy faces around the policy meetings table. If I just quickly kick off with the ECB from um, from last week, um, we had uh, the expected uh, 0.4% first quarter flash growth number for the Eurozone economy. So 0.4%, that's quarter on quarter, or 1.6% if we use the, uh, the US-style annualised rate. So that was in line with expectations, but it's, it's little more than half the revised 0.7% rate we had in the fourth quarter and indeed amongst the weakest readings we had in what the last four years. It was also the first deceleration in quarterly growth since the second quarter of 2016. Now, if that wasn't good news, and even worse, we had the uh, the inflation figures, which you referred to, uh, the flash numbers for April, which came in really surprisingly soft and potentially significantly so. Um, the headline reading was 1.2% on an annual rate. Um, that was down from one3 and compared with expectations of one4 But what really caught the market, and indeed we're seeing uh, particularly the likes of Euro responding to this now, uh, were the core rates and the one that the market concentrates upon is the narrowest core, which excludes energy, food, alcohol and tobacco. And that came in at just a 0.7% yearly rate. And that was down fully three ticks from its final March outturn. And that equals its lowest reading since April 2015. So really, as we've been talking about for some while now, really underlying inflation has has been flatlining. Well, the risk is, if anything, that it may actually be starting to drift a little bit lower. And that clearly, when the ECB essentially is looking to getting it up towards a 2% mark, is just about worst case. So, I mean, what does the ECB do now? Well, it's going to hope that, you know, both the disappointments of growth and inflation are just temporary and carry on as normal. Um, it's going to look at you know, potential weather effects and there's industrial action in parts of Germany and France, the timing of Easter. They could all have been factors, but probably only partial. Um, but it does mean now that just looking ahead, what investors got to be really looking for when we get the next meeting for the ECB on June the 14th, they'll have a new set of economic forecasts. Now, these forecasts start revising down growth and inflation. Really, that's going to make the idea of ending their quantitative easing, their asset purchase program in September, which is what they currently refer to as the soft end date. It's going to make that pretty well impossible. And that's certainly going to be a negative as far as the euro is concerned. Now, over here in good old UK land, um, well, we appear to have the Bank of England facing something of an embarrassing climb down this week. If we go back to the last meeting here, uh, the March Monetary Policy Committee, essentially they spent most of the minutes priming market expectations so much that this Thursday it looked to be a done deal that we get another 25 basis point hike in bank rate, which would put it up to 0.75%. Since then, of course, over the course of what the last few weeks now, we've had a whole slew of surprisingly soft economic news, be it in terms of growth and inflation. And it's really potentially left, I think, the bank with something, some egg on its face, because it's going to be pretty difficult now, I think, for them to justify any kind of tightening at all once we get into Thursday. 
about the only thing in its favour is the fact that the unemployment rate has fallen further. Uh, the main measure now is just down to 4.2%, but with growth almost drying up at the beginning of the year, um, in, inflation surprisingly low, I think, you know, by far and away, the majority of the MPC members are going to vote for no change. And that's all the more important, I think, at the moment, because we really do have some extreme sort of you know, difficulties emerging with regards to Brexit. The in-cabinet um, divisions seem to be getting wider and wider to the extent that there's yet more talk about PMA having to stand down at some point. So if we see news which suggests that perhaps UK interest rates won't be going up this rate or indeed, more importantly, won't be going up later on this year, then we could see the pound, which is already under pressure, slide even further. So there's a lot of monetary policy head scratching going on over here at the moment. In short, bar humbug. Indeed. <laughs> Mark, inflation's on the head is in the headline today for the for this week in the US. Yes, it is. And it's a different it's quite a different story than Jeremy um is uh, telling us of Europe. Here, it's the biases to the upside for inflation. Last week, we had um, the FOMC uh, underscore its uh, symmetric objective, which means it's going to protect against an, uh, an unwanted increase uh, increase of core inflation above 2%. It's right now at 1.9%. That information came out last week before we, before we talked, and we talked about it then. And it wasn't, however, accompanied by a uh, pressure in the average hourly earnings uh, data of last Friday's uh, employment report, which really, thankfully for the markets, uh, held subdued. But right now, there's a lot of stress here, uh, evident in capacity, uh, especially in the labor market. Just this morning, uh, Tuesday, we had the JOLTS report, which is of interest. This counts hirings and accounts uh, openings. And uh, this is the first time on record that it's a one-to-one -one correlation or a relationship now between openings and um, and uh, people unemployed. So we're talking about uh, about 6.3, 6.5 million opening, uh, 6.5 uh, uh, million opening, 6.3 million people looking for jobs. At the uh, at, at the last or the depth of the last re recession in 2009, this ratio was 6.6. .6. So we haven't seen any wage inflation yet, but it's hard to, for employers to find the right people. There's not a lot of people to find right now. Uh, and that has to have uh, a lot of impact on, on how the Fed is going to uh, pursue uh, its a policy. And it's already warned us now that it is looking to the high side. Now, it, policymakers may very well be content to ride a little bit of an overshoot in inflation, but that is not really the traditional role of monetary policy, which is, of course, to protect uh, against inflation. So uh, really, I don't know how long a separation like this can go between uh, Europe and the U.S. It seems to have emerged uh, very clearly in the first quarter. Um, perhaps U.S. growth will slow, but that's not the expectation. Uh, or perhaps European growth will uh, pick back up. But it would be an interesting a little bit of a crevice, a little bit of a crack here between what has been a uniform uh, global economy uh, to something that uh, is not. 
So uh, it's but oh, as far as this week goes, we have the um, a whole run of inflation news beginning tomorrow with producer prices. Not a lot of expect uh, pressure expected there. Only uh, steady in pressure expected for Thursday's uh, consumer price report, but nothing. But nothing extreme. Don't worry about it. Nothing extreme will make it. With one little tenth uh, increases in the year-on-year rates, both overall and the core, probably not enough to disrupt the markets. And then on Friday, we'll have import and export prices. Import prices are expected to rise on oil. And oil now is back in uh, is a, another wild card. It's uh, you know testing seventy dollars for West Texas Intermediate, and uh, whether or not we get sanctions on Iran, that could play. Um, to uh, to increase the uh, price of oil, it's hard to say, but uh, so I think the bias for us if, for the U.S. side is uh, a little bit of a risk, a little bit of caution for inflation. Mark, can I ask you a quick one about policy? Um, yeah. I mean, it looks as if now we're getting the dollar responding at least to some extent to you know, sort of changing perceptions with regards to you know, perhaps you know, more aggressive Fed policy and more importantly, in some ways, I think you have know, this sort of ratcheting down now of you know, perhaps the end of quantitative easing over here. What is U.S. dollar policy at the moment? Are they happy if hmm. suppose this continues and we see, you know, euro dollar go down to 110 or something like that or, you know, or is it a concern for them? Well, actually, we don't have a currency policy. Unlike Europe, there's no stated policy. The closest we can get to that is from the administration. We heard that earlier, a little bit of conflict within the administration, the Treasury Secretary, Secretary Mnuchin uh, uh, hinting that uh, a, a decline in the dollar could be welcome. And then that was uh, rebutted by uh, Donald Trump. Who's basically said a good, you know, a strong good currency is a strong currency. Um, the Fed does not even go into those waters; it avoids them uh, very much so. So, uh, dollar policy here is not like uh, currency policy is not like it is there. The, uh, the, the 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 their first reference, the first reference, isn't to a currency usually; it's to an interest rate, uh, for instance. So uh, as far as rates go, they're pretty high. You know, the 10-year uh, uh, put testing 3%, uh, and we'll see how that goes. Uh, but it's held pretty steady the last month, uh, all the gyrations in the market. But to return to the dollar, it's very important here for inflation because the weaker dollar last year, uh, the dollar basically depreciated 10%. And what has happened is you've seen a lift in import prices because the weaker dollar, you get less for your money. Uh, however, now that that is reversing, as you were mentioning, uh, weakness in, in both the euro and the pound, and that's been reflected by strength uh, over the last couple of months in the dollar, which is pretty much reversed uh, weakness earlier this year. So um, the inflationary effect from uh, a lower dollar is not now uh, going to help the Fed in what was its efforts to boost inflation over 2% or toward 2%. And actually, that may be good in this kind of in-between world um, because now they're worried that it may go a little bit more over 2% than it wanted to. So uh, I'm not sure a dollar, the dollar is not front and center here, and I don't think the administration wants it to be. Fair enough. Thanks, Mark. Uh, with the trade talks between China and the U.S. to resume in Washington next week, I thought it might be a good time to look at China's April trade data, which was released earlier today. Uh, 
U.S. comparable data for April will not be available for another three weeks until the preliminary industrial international trade in goods release on May 30th. Chinese exports rebound rebounded in April. They were higher than forecast as talks to avert a trade war between Beijing and Washington continued. Exports rose 12.9% in dollar terms on the year in April, well coming in well above the Econoday forecast of 8% growth. There was also a return to growth from 2.7% decline in March. Imports climbed 21.5% in April, beating estimates for forecasts of 16% growth and higher than the 14.4% growth in March. The readings resulted in a trade surplus of $28.8 billion and slightly above estimates of $28.6 billion surplus. Vice Premier Liu He will visit Washington next week for further trade talks that began in Beijing two weeks ago. And both the U.S. and China at that time took a hard line in those talks. Um, a senior Chinese uh, economist at ANZ Bank in Australia pointed to the trade surplus between China and the U.S., which widened by $6.8 billion to $22.2 billion in April, following four months of declines. The U.S. has asked China to reduce the surplus by $200 billion by 2020. The widening of the U.S. trade surplus reflects the difficulty of significantly closing the trade gap between the two countries and in the near term, but it's unlikely to obstruct constructive progress recently made in trying to rationalize the situation. Thanks, guys.